All right, we welcome you into another edition of Bourbon Biscuits and Barn Burners. We're talking hockey with a St. Louis Blues focus, but all around the National Hockey League. We've got John Hadley, Tim Woodburn. I'm Chris Kerber. Glad to have you with us this week. And fellas, we are two weeks away from the start of the National Hockey League season. We're just over two weeks away. We're less than a week away. We're days away from the start of all these National Hockey League teams opening camps. We've got COVID bearing down on everybody. We still don't know what's going to happen with those different things that could creep in, but the excitement is there. The excitement is ready. And I got to start this week off with this. I never, never, and maybe I'm just naive and foolish, I never would have thought that suggesting on Twitter that a start time of 9.30 for opening night because you're part of a national telecast would create such a reaction. To t- I did not know that so many people in St. Louis were sleep-deprived. Well, I'll put it to you this way, Curbs. What I found to be amazing was when you tipped me off to the fact that you were having this tit-for-tat on the... Uh, social media I go take a look and it's uh, I don't know 1015 1030 1045 at night so these very same people who are absolutely destroying you because of the fact that you chose to say hey it's no big deal are telling you exactly what a big deal it is at the very time that they would be watching the hockey game that they're supposedly sound asleep with their snugglies and uh it, 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 again I, i'm people never cease to amaze me and that was that was truly not only ironic but just so telling of the willingness of people just to make excuses up for being miserable in these times hey chris i'll say this with all seriousness because you know i like to joke a lot and try it a lot and be sarcastic but in all seriousness I'm 51 years old. I go to bed at 10 o'clock most nights. Uh, a 9.30 start time normally would preclude me from watching an entire game. I, I, I sucked it up and got through it last year when they played Vancouver in the playoffs because almost every game was a 9 or 9.30 start. And I hated it, but I stayed up and I got through it. And I found myself getting up the next morning because Fox Sports Midwest would replay the game at like, six o'clock in the morning and, and and i would literally that's when i would actually watch the game and i say to myself with all these people listening to podcasts these days including hopefully this one at some point uh you should do the same thing with the radio broadcast with all these late start times and playing in this division with all these late start times they're going to have when they play on the road out in california or wherever the california teams are going to play you should podcast your broadcast because people probably would want to relive it and re-listen to it what i find it what i find fascinating the last exchange happened sometime today where finally you had somebody out there deciding to start calling you all sorts of name and that you're being condescending towards a fan base. No, I'm not. No, I'm not at all. What I'm saying is that this season, during the weeknights, you might have 9 to 10 games that start in that 9 to 9.30 range. And we don't know yet. It might have come up later in the week when they set up the official start times if they might start a few of those games on the West Coast earlier, right? My, my point is, in the regular season... If, especially if it's in the cycle the year, every other year where you're playing those road teams twice, you'll have as many as 18 to 20 games in that broadcast window, right? It just, it's part of what happens. So in the grand scheme of things, my whole point, my whole point was this. Okay, I remember a time when every, where people were griping that 
Nobody, the Blues don't get any respect. We're the Rodney Dangerfield of, of the National Hockey League. Uh, we're never on national TV. It's the Blackhawks again in a winter classic, or this market gets that. And in the last few years, we've had a winter classic. We've had a Stanley Cup final. We've had an all-star game. We've, we've been considered for a hub city if that was needed. And we were assigned to another winter classic that COVID didn't have happen on January 1st, right? And, and, and then you're chosen as one of the marquee three games to open up the new season. And my whole point was, I think you're getting a ton of respect, and yet we're griping about the start time. And look, I get it. I understand that the late-night start times are, are difficult, and most people with the jobs and stuff like that, maybe you do have to miss the end of it. My point is, it's not the end of the freaking world. And if you really, really, really want to watch that game, you'll survive through it. I, I'm just... I'm just amazed at how, like, okay, and what about the what about the people that work on the weekends, right? Who's maybe their weekend is a Tuesday night. Maybe they're fine with it. What about the people that work the the, the graveyard shifts, right? That well, never get to go to a game. Well, like, like get I, out of your own little curves. selfish worlds a little bit, people. It's it's going to be curves, okay. I'll, 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 I'll truncate a little bit more because if you take out the Friday night West Coast games, I think maximum you're looking at six or seven, nine o'clock, nine thirty starts during the course of the year, which are not that much more than you would have during a regular season. It's far less. But in order to have a season, in order to have a season, having to stay up during the weeknight or week, you know, the, the regular weekdays and watch a game, I don't think that's that horrendous, to be honest with you, six, seven times just to be able to have a season. Because Friday nights, to me, if you're going to bed at nine o'clock on a Friday night, you you might just want to start thinking about Listen, hanging it up. But here's here's the thing. Look, I'm not unsympathetic to the argument that it is a challenge. I totally get that. I'm saying that in the grand scheme of things, knowing where we are with this pandemic and the fact that after a season delayed by three months, we finally have the start. That is nowhere near my list of gripes and concerns. I don't even know. I don't even understand. I mean, Colorado St. Louis is a marquee matchup. If anything, Blues fans should be flattered that that we're a part of the NBC opening night yes. trifecta. I mean, Colorado is Vegas's number one pick to win the Stanley Cup, and the Blues are tied for seventh with Carolina to win the Cup this year, according to the preseason odds makers on Futures Bet. It's a marquee matchup. So what if it starts at nine thirty? Yeah, I mean you'll you'll survive. Call Mattress Direct. Go ahead and uh, get yourself a new mattress. Sleep harder for the six hours and and find a way. Like like holy smokes, find some way to be positive. But for that, to, look here's the other thing. And I put this in, and I'll leave it with this. Some guy said, well, and, and he threw some, you know, decided to throw some name calling out there, but says, well, if you're gonna, you know, if if your goal is to offend a fan base, you've succeeded. I'm like, really? Okay, look, if if you somehow with whatever is going on in your world, are offended by a debate relating to start times of a sporting event, and you are, quote-unquote, offended by that, there's other issues going on. Get them addressed. Yeah. You know? It's a a non All right, Tim. I got that off my chest. What's going on with you this week? I'm, I'm excited that the Blues signed Mike Hoffman, I think it adds to their depth. I, I have no faith that the, the, that Tarasenko is going to be a, a healthy return after three shoulder surgeries after listening to what doctors have said about this issue and other players have said about this issue. 
I, I, I think it would be gravy. It would be an extra cherry on top of the ice cream sundae if Tarasenko plays for this team at all this year, uh, or again, period. And I, I think I'm, I'm excited the Blues have signed Mike Coffin. I watched all 29 of his goals on YouTube the other day. This man is a sniper. This man scored 10 goals out of his 29 last year with just wicked Tarasenko-like wrist shots. He had six goals on an off-wing slap shot via Alex Ovechkin, of course, on the other side. He likes to set up on the right circle. He likes to do the one-timer. He's not a guy that's explosive with speed, who scores a lot of goals off the rush, although he did have two breakaway goals last year. He's a guy that once he gets set up in the offensive zone, he jams in rebounds. He's got a tremendous wrist shot, and he's got that left-handed slap shot on the right circle that I love. 95% of me loves this signing. The 5% of me that doesn't, is the fact that as I do the math and I watch the dominoes fall from first line to second line, from second line to third line with a, with a two-week training camp and with coaches and general managers evaluating players based on how they perform in exhibition games and is this year a guy who's going to blossom? We've talked about this a lot, guys blossoming. Uh, you know, with Mike Hoffman being in the lineup as a top six, I don't see Zach Stanford blossoming as a top six guy because he plays the left side, as does Hoffman. I don't see Cairo, Stanford, and Blay, all three in the lineup on the same night. Barring injury, if Clifford is going to be a, a, a tough guy that's going to be in there every night and we're keeping him out of the mix, I don't see how these three guys develop by this signing. It's the only 5% negative I see and the 95% positivity of them at least bringing in Mike Hoffman. And, and I know the, the ink's not dry on the deal. The ink's not even on the deal yet. But the fact that he's in camp, he's passed through the COVID protocol, he told the Blues that, you know, in good faith, he wants to be a member of the organization and vice versa. I'm sure they've discussed salary off the record and uh, they've, they've agreed, you know, in, ter- in pencil to term. I'm excited about his addition. I'm just, there's just a part of me that's, uh, that's kind of disappointed at, uh, at not being able to see one of those three guys develop into the player that I thought and hope they could become. Well, I'll put it to you this way. If I thought that Sanford or Blay had the ability to be a regular 25-goal scorer, I would share your frustration. As far as I'm concerned, this guy is as as polished an offensive force that was available on the market for this team to sign and a guy who just manages to find ways to score goals because he is not He's not a physical player. He's not going to hit you. Some nights he may not even check. He's not going to fight you. He's not going to play defense on a consistent basis, but he's going to score goals. And time after time after time after time, I have watched this organization be that one guy short, that one guy who could pick up the other two that have the ability that aren't doing it, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know how the hell Doug Armstrong got this done. I don't know what he said or did to convince this guy. I don't know what the final dollar figure is going to be, but I know this much. This is the perfect anecdote for what was a potentially suspect blues offense. And Kyrou will get his ice time. Blay, Blay's just one of those guys who I think is going to be a Really nice third, fourth line player his whole career. Probably never be what people think he should be, but good enough to be in a lineup, 
Stanford, yet another guy who has proven to be as consistent with his inconsistency as any other aspect of his game. So when I get a guy who's going to put 25 in the net, and based on the last six years, you can pretty well bank on him putting at least 25 in the net with the team that's around him. Frankly, I didn't think that Armstrong would bring a guy like Hoffman in because I don't necessarily believe that Hoffman is a Baruby-type player. Now the question becomes, does he become one? Because he has seemingly convinced everyone else that that's the way to play the game, the Craig Baruby style. And if this kid's motivated, he's more consistent defensively, and he puts the puck in the net, this might go down as the best pure free agent signing that Armstrong's had with the Blues. Not the best trade, but the best pure free agent signing Armstrong. I can't wait to see how this chapter of Blues hockey finishes with Mike Hoffman 2021. Doug Armstrong with this deal, I think he, he bought two things. He bought insurance in case Vladimir Tarasenko's rehab or something goes south, and he bought depth in case Vladimir Tarasenko is ready to go. And all of a sudden... All of a sudden, and I, I look at it, Tim. Like I don't, I don't disagree with you on the development side with, with those with those three guys. Except this, I still think that all three of those guys, four of them. I mean, when you when you go Thomas, Kairou, Sanford, and Blay, those are the four. And if you can get two of those guys to become top six players, you're in some really good in a really good spot. The problem is, is you're in the championship window now. You're in year three of what Doug Armstrong considered a five year window to win a championship. They won it once. You're in that now. You've got to go for it. Now, if you look at the trades that Pittsburgh made, if you look at the deals that Chicago made when they had to adjust their lineup because of cap reasons, you look at some of the adjustments that L.A. recently has made. What keeps you in that window? Well, being able, even if it's just for one season, for now, to be able to snare the top goal-scoring free agent on the market, which all of a sudden, I think, if you're healthy, if Vladimir Tarasenko comes back healthy, right, you're, you then have as good of depth as any team in the National Hockey League from a forward standpoint. And I still love the Blues defense the way it's built right now, so I'll take that. I'll say you've got the best. You're as good, if not deeper, than any team in the National Hockey League. If Tarasenko's back and Hoffman's back, you're right. Those guys are getting knocked down. But you know to win a Stanley Cup, if, if, if all of a sudden you've got Tarasenko in a top-six role and Hoffman in a top-six role, so two... 30 goal scores in your lineup playing alongside O'Reilly, Perron, Shen, and Schwartz. If we're talking about putting a Sanford with a Bozak and a Thomas, which keeps a Clifford and a Barbashev and a Sunquist uh, together, again, assuming health, uh, every team in the league is going to go, I wish I had that kind of depth. So I, I love the options that it gives you. The other aspect about this season, guys, is when you look at the schedule and how it goes every other day, you're going to need to rest some guys here and there throughout the course of this thing, and and I still think that that depth is there. So because you're going to have to rest some guys and some injuries are going to creep in, those younger guys are still going to get a chance. But because, Tim, you signed Mike Hoffman, now you're putting the, the pressure back on those guys to make sure they're competing every day and doing what they can at the rink, away from the rink, game day or off day, to be ready to go because nothing's given in a Craig Berube lineup. Well, you made an excellent point. I was going to follow up with a similar comment. You beat me to it, and it's so important, the point that you make about depth. Because it's not even a matter of just 
COVID, just injury itself, I mean, how many times does a team go through a season, even a shortened season, without injury? I mean, now now suddenly a Sanford, a Blaze, somebody like that is coming off the bench? Wow. Wow. Well, what, what's amazing to me about Mike Hoffman even being in the Blues training camp is that the St. Louis Sportsman of the Year should be the collective group of owners whose names most people don't know other than Tom Stillman who have bonded together and said, we're going to take a hit in exchange for trying to go after winning a cup this year because for the Blues to be at the $81.5 million max NHL salary cap plus playing team or excuse me, paying team and Tarasenko on the side a year after Forbes magazine estimated Blues net operating revenue was a negative 8.2 million last year and probably going to be worse this year if they don't have fans in the stands for those owners to make that commitment to continue to put all that money into this five-year window, Chris, as you called it, that Doug Armstrong feels the Blues have an opportunity to win championships, that's an incredible sacrifice that those guys are making. And, and maybe there's women in there as well. I'm not sure. I don't know who the old Blues ownership is. I'm sure it's in the media guide. But that's an incredible sacrifice they're making to to give the green light to allow Doug Armstrong to make that move in the first place. Okay, so, and, and, you know, the other thing, everybody wants to sit there and say, well, how does this impact Vince Dunn? They, they've got to remember that once they're able to put now, now they do have to get cap compliant prior to the start of the season. But Doug, Doug and his team have have a plan for that. When they do put Vladimir Tarasenko still on long term IR, they can go into that salary, and now they will have to clear it to be able to bring Vladimir off IR in February and March whenever he becomes available for you, right? But the reality is, at that point you may be dealing with other injuries or other unknown scenarios. I mean, John, this goes back to one of the old Larry Plo things about never even calling. We're talking about calling a guy up until you see the whites of his eyes, right? The eat Larry, yep. as you know, Larry never liked to talk about, well, what happens when this guy comes back? You're like, well, we'll deal with it then because by the time he comes back, we might have two or three other injuries here. So they may never, and knock on wood, we hope they do because it means everybody's healthy. But if injuries cre- creep in, this stuff may sort itself out on its own. Yeah, and and that's you know I, I think that's that's why I mentioned previously that I thought it was an excellent point that you made regarding death because you know I am not one of these guys who tends to believe that that depth means that you have eight players capable of being fourth line guys. You know I'm not one of these guys who tends to believe that. You know, in, in essence, you have a great pitching staff if you have an abundance of four and fives. What we're looking with the Blues now is having depth in the truest sense amongst two and threes. That's huge. That's absolutely monstrous. And Tim Woodburn makes an intriguing point about ownership. You talk about the front office. I'm just telling you at this point in time, I'm utterly shocked at the depth of these forwards. And more importantly, I'm still perplexed how Doug Armstrong convinced Hoffman to come here because I know some big teams, including the Boston Bruins, one of them. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not like Hoffman, you know, is, uh, well, I got nowhere to go. I'll settle with the Blues. Hoffman has some legit contending opportunities. And he's a member of the St. Louis Blues. The, the whole aspect of, 
what has happened over the course of the last four years with this hockey team, I find to be intriguing. At one of these days, I hope that I can convince Doug Armstrong over a meal that I will buy at any restaurant he wants in the city to sit there and pick his brain because some of the moves that he made earlier in his career here, I could not figure out. I wasn't necessarily pleased with. And at times, seriously question whether he should be the GM. Over the last three and a half years, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know of anybody who could have done a better job constructing this roster in the truest sense. I mean, it's we're, 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 we're wondering whether or not what direction the Blues are going to go. They're at the crossroads. Is Armstrong the right guy? And now the Stanley Cup what was, for the most part, a very successful season last year prior to COVID. And now everybody just wanted to drop the puck and saying, hey, come on, Knights, come on, Avalanche, we got, we got something for you. You know, maybe it's the fan talking in me, but I, I, I have to concur with Woodburn. I have to concur with you, and I will throw in the coaching staff. This is about as phenomenal a job from the top down ending with the coaching staff as I've seen a sports administration do in this city maybe ever. Or, or at least since the Rams had that incredible luck of getting Adam Timmerman, Marshall Falk, Aeneas Williams, and Kurt Warner in a very brief period of time. You know what, Tim? I'll, I, I guess the last thing I'll say about the depth, and then I'll, I'll tie something into another NHL team that, that relates to Doug Armstrong. Oh, and by the way, and I've got, a, uh, I've got an Irish whiskey recommendation for you for the week, too. All right? So I've, I've, I've got a whiskey recommendation. And I don't know... You know, I know that I know bourbon is in the title, so we'll, we'll talk bourbons in two. But this week, I'm going to give you an Irish whiskey recommendation, right? So, but I'll go back to to the depth thing real quick. There's nothing to say that they still don't give Robert Thomas every every opportunity to play with, say, a Shannon a Schwartz, for example, right? And there's nothing to say that he won't click. I mean, Craig Berube was on 101 ESPN the other day. He said Robert Thomas can be a monster with his speed. And, and, and when he's talking about penalty killing, about his speed, his smarts, his stick, right? So they're going to continue to develop this kid. Look, as, as he does develop, there's nothing to say he doesn't click up there. And again, what if, what, what if Vladimir Tarasenko comes back and is able to go? There is the potential for whether it be a Sanford or whether it be a, a Thomas or maybe Cairo and, and, and Blaze surprise you, but let's take those other two guys first and foremost. There's the potential for them to stick within the w- w- within that range. That then means that Tyler Bozak is centering a Mike Hoffman. You've got a 30-goal scorer on your third line. Right. Well, I mean, and I think, I mean, think about that. I think that's an, I think it's an excellent point. What I would add to that is that, you know, Mike Hoffman is a 56-game one-year Band-Aid at this point. He is, he is, there is no long-term commitment from either side on this deal. And and I think it's a, a it's a, a legitimate conversation for Craig Ruby and his coaching staff and Doug Armstrong to have of saying, hey, look, maybe he plays on the third line. He was on the ice for 72% of the Florida Panthers power play time the entire year last year. The guy is a, is a, is a first-line power play guy, and maybe he is a third-line guy with the Blues when they're not on the power play to allow that development of a Sanford or a Cairo or Blay on the second line, a guy that you know is going to be with the organization for another five, six, seven years. 
Oh yeah, no, absolutely right. And I, I said one more thing. Here's one more aspect about the, the the depth. You go into next season. If you have Mike Hoffman in your fold, and at least you've got some negotiating rights with him. No, he'll be a UFA again at the end of this year. And this is all making sure that we're all going on the assumption that the Blues have a deal to sign him, right? Okay, but Jaden Schwartz's contract is up. If 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 some different things happen, where you're still looking at more roster turnover because of free agency. You've got another guy you could potentially ink here. Like, I just, Doug Armstrong has not just managed to add depth and give himself insurance policies. Like, he's managed to put himself in a good position of negotiating for the future as well. And that's that's what's equally as impressive. Now, I'm going to change it. I'm going to go to oh, oh, big picture NHL here. John, you are mentioning Doug Armstrong. I'm going to relate it to this question. And you have to keep in mind the divisions that each of these two teams are going to be playing in this year, right? But I'm just curious to see if either the Buffalo Sabres or the Ottawa Senators jump out to a good start and become a factor that maybe they're not expected to be because you've got some other monsters in their divisions. And and what Pierre Dorian has done with Ottawa is they've taken their draft picks they clean house. They now have, are going with that young core led by Brady Kachuk and others. Shabbat, they've got some other are you good young players. But this year, they've brought in some veteran guys to bring them along. And it, to me, to me, John, this is no different than what Doug Armstrong did when he brought in Jamie Langenbrunner, when he brought in Jason Arnott, to help bring that core of Bacchus, Oshie, Berglund, and group along. When he brought in those veterans to help bridge that gap, but they weren't just veterans to fill a hole. The veterans that could teach these young guys how to play right and how to be pros. And I am really, really intrigued to see how that works with the moves of like Derek Stepan and others that, that Pierre Dorian has made with the Ottawa Senators. Well, you boys are on fire tonight because you're hitting on all topics that intrigue me because that's, that's, that's now twice that uh, it, uh, it, it just like the last 10 days that Ottawa was able to dip in and get players off teams that was, you know, looking to save a, a few pennies. Let me tell you something right now. You put that Ottawa team on paper, and will I be shocked to see Ottawa be the surprise of the NHL this year? Absolutely not. I'm telling you, that's a pretty good hockey team on paper. Now, we're sitting here discussing the Blues and depth, and, you know, Ottawa has no depth. Right. But their go-to guys, Ottawa, that that is a very, very intriguing hockey team. And, and yes, in this season, in this in the, the way the divisions are, and so look, th- this is why I talk about surprise. We're we're not saying we expect them to make the playoffs. Okay, you would actually expect them to oh, miss no, the playoffs. It, no, it, but right, but they 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 wind up with eighty points, which would I, be I'm a huge you, improvement. Right, they're the second worst team odds wise in Vegas to win the Stanley Cup this year. They are 200 to 1. Only Detroit is ranked worse than Ottawa right now going into the season. Yeah, but what yeah, would, you what put would be their teams, odds to make the playoffs? Timmy, hold on one second. Timmy, put those two teams on paper, and you will see a distinct difference. I'm Honestly, I, I think Ottawa will be much closer to 500 this year than most people realize. I just, I just think when you – okay, when you're going to have to go up against, obviously, Toronto, Montreal – Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver, you know, on a on a regular basis, every single night, it's going to be a battle. 
but maybe they're not losing as many games four to one, five to two, and maybe they're losing more nail biters because those young guys are learning to win. But I'm telling you, when you bring in quality veterans like a Derek Stepan and other people to bring those young guys along and give them some mentorship, it's going to advance your franchise in a big, big way. And 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 that's what Doug Armstrong did here with the Blues with with those veterans. When you go back and look at at those teams, and that's that's what Pierre. Do- where, you know where where the Edmonton Oilers, where the Buffalo Sabers, and and the teams that have just wallowed in in mediocre hockey mystery considering how high they have picked on a consistent basis on drafts where those other teams have missed the boat has been bringing in those guys to bring those other players along and help turn a culture around and and that's that that to me is what what gets exciting tim that was some pretty disappointing news this this week don't you think to hear about the open heart surgery required for henrik lundquist out of nowhere well i mean it's 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 amazing to me with science being what it is today that that he can pass a physical and sign a $1.5 million contract and then less than 10 days later announce that he's not playing due to a heart condition and have to have surgery. I don't, I don't understand uh, how the physical could have been passed with him having a condition that's that bad. I, I just don't understand that. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I'm a sports fan, and I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And, and it is – I mean, we're seeing – you know, we've seen now Steen, Bo Meester, Lundquist. I mean, you're seeing injuries end guys' careers, uh, you know, un- unfortunately. And, and it's disappointing to see because, like, they were, man, they were really counting on Henrik Lundquist. And he, he had gone in. Peter LaViolette was talking about him almost being rejuvenated, a fresh start, knowing he's going to go to a contending team, John. that's I mean, that's what their, their new head coach was talking about. And... And now the Washington Capitals are in a situation where if they go with Samsonov as, as their number one, you know, they're, they're looking at a really, really young backup that, that is unproven, right? Or you go to Anderson, who's, you know, what, 39, 40 years of age. And as we've talked about here with, with, with Huso backing up Jordan Bennington, you're going to need goaltending this year. It, it changes things up a little bit. No, it does. And by the way, just to finish up from the last point real quick, I also wonder if there's an over and un- under in Vegas on a number of times that Walt's boys are going to beat the crap out of one another considering the number of times they'll be playing this year. Okay, listen to this. I heard an interview with uh, I heard an interview with, with Dean Brown, one of the broadcasters, great broadcasters there with the Ottawa Senators, and, and it was on NHL radio, and, and they asked him that question. And they said, what do you think, knowing that those two kids are going to play against each other eight times, What's the over-under on fights? And Dean Brown's, I mean, it made me snort and laugh out loud in my car. He goes, zero. He goes, and make no mistake about it, it's because there's no way that their mom, Chantel's going to let that happen. And I thought that that was was such a fantastic, fantastic answer. But my goodness, is it going to be a battle? Oh, yeah, no, I'm not talking about necessarily fights. I I guarantee you there'll be a number of runs in one I guarantee it. You know and that's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a it's going to be well, an interesting storyline from a distance to follow. I talked to Tim Jansen about these two guys, and he said that Brady is the one with the screw loose. That that Matt, Matthew's tough. Brady's the one with the screw loose, and if they do get into a fight, it'll be Brady that picks it. So <laughs> I, I don't know if the over under is zero. I I'd probably put the over under at one. 
I think I think at some point when you play a guy, when you play your brother eight times that you grew up with your entire life, I mean, at some point somebody's going to say something to somebody that's going to cause both of those guys to, to, to snap. And, and it'll probably be Brady that incites it. Tim, my, my bet would be that Brady incites it at least once. You know, it, it's interesting because I'm sure the Sutters would probably give a totally different story than <laughs> just about any other yeah. brothers that have played in the league. But but you talked to Braden Shen. Braden Shen hated playing against his brother. Didn't like it. Just he flat out told you. He goes, no, nah, I don't like playing against my brother. You know, he, he doesn't want to go and have to go into the corner to hit him. Had to look like, and I, I actually, I totally understand that. But but you know, but going back, let's 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 go to Matthew. Uh, guys, I look at these divisions, okay, and Blues Blues Vegas, Blues Colorado. That's going to be some must watch hockey, right? I look at the I look at the Central Division. There's going to be some good hockey there. I'm not. I, I don't know that Nashville, Tampa, I'm putting in the must-watch category, right? Okay, in the East, you still get Pittsburgh and Washington, and you still get Crosby versus Ovechkin. So so there, there is that. But I'm telling you what, I don't know. I don't know if there is any series of games on the NHL docket this year that's more must-watch than the Battle of Alberta and nine games between Calgary oh. and Edmonton. Are you kidding me? Curves. Jimmy, I'm telling you. I'm an old boy. I spend a lot of time at the house now. I'm going to be watching a lot of 6 p.m. hockey. A lot of 6 p.m. hockey this year. Because whether it's Montreal and Toronto, whether it's uh, – I'm just uh, – Ottawa. And then you get to the West Coast with with Colorado or with Calgary and – and uh, Edmonton getting after it, and Calgary and Vancouver, Edmonton and Vancouver. Let me tell you, I, I am going to cherish this year the Canadian teams going mano a mano because that's personal. That's 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 personal up there. That's uh, old school hockey, Eddie Shore. Eh? Well, you know, it, it will be fun to watch, and, and I hope this isn't the case because the division that the Blues are in. Again, going with the preseason odds, four of the worst eight teams in the NHL are in the Blues division, and five of the worst ten are in the Blues division as well. Having said that, you know, Colorado is the favorite to win the Cup, and Vegas is the third favorite to win the Cup. The Blues are seventh. You're going to have a division that if if, if the prognosticators are right, you're going to have a a three-way monster vying for the top of the division and, and, a, and a team that's not projected to do well vying for that fourth playoff position in their division. Uh, it, 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 it's really amazing when you look at the disparity, preseason, of course, of the top three teams in the Blues division and the bottom teams in the Blues division as well. So, you know, the only my only argument against that, though, is at, at times when L.A. has been down, or the Blues have been down, or Anaheim has been down. Man, I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes it hasn't mattered how good the Blues have been or how bad Anaheim has been. They have been absolute battles out there at at the pond. I mean, it's just, and by battles, I mean the games just don't go the way you think that they should. And if you go into L.A. this year, and th- yeah, look, they're they're no doubt they're they're in transition now. They've got they've got some really bright kids coming up from a youth standpoint that aren't ready for the NHL yet, but. But you're still going in there, and you're you're dealing with Kopitar and Brown and Dowdy and Quick. 
that I wonder how much this series-type approach where you're playing every single team eight times actually creates more intensity than you would in a regular season and how that turns things around. The other thing, guys, is this. If any one of these teams starts off hot, they become a factor the rest of the way in a shortened season. And all of a sudden then, one of those teams that's not supposed to be as good, L.A., Anaheim, Detroit, Buffalo, Ottawa, just to name a few, New Jersey, if they find a belief system that they're not supposed to have, that then makes them dangerous. So I'm. this is one year where if you're a prognosticator, sit on the edge of your seat because it's, things could go cuckoo on you. Well, the Blues, are, the Blues are the Rodney Dangerfield of the National Hockey League right now because when you look at the top 25 Hart Memorial Trophy, futures bets to win, none of them are St. Louis Blues, which means none of them are named Ryan O'Reilly, which I don't understand how he can't be included in a top 25 listing of Hart Trophy candidates when you've got people like Alexander Barkov and Mark Stone and Sean Couturier and uh, Jenny Malkin in there. How does Ryan O'Reilly not make that list? Top 15 North Trophy prognosticators, none of them are St. Louis Blues. Not Falk, not Krug, not Pareko, none of them are in the top 15 North Memorial Trophy to win. And of the Vezinas, Bennington sneaks in there as uh, of the ones that you can even place a bet on, sneaks in there as the 16th pick of the 16 goalies listed to win the Vezina this upcoming season. The St. Louis Blues are the Rodney Dangerfields of the National Hockey League this year. Man, that is phenomenal. That that is uh, that is phenomenal. Man, that's a lot of hockey stuff. I can't wait for the games to start. And when they do start and, and we start putting the, the bourbon biscuits and barn burners out there with, with some post-game additions, breaking down Blues hockey, oh, baby, I cannot wait to get on the air with you guys and take care of that as well. All right, you ready for – Tim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rely on you for our – for our um, our riding the bus segment, so um, yeah. since we didn't air the the the, the first uh, episode of the podcast, I want you to tell the story that you told in the first one. So we'll go to that in a second. But look, guys, we we've got the name Bourbon in in the in the title. We put it there because I guess it's going to join us from time to time. Amy Mark scores is a huge Bourbon fan, All right? So and as you know, right, all Bourbons are whiskeys. Not all whiskeys are Bourbons. Okay, you've got to have a special mix of, you know, of, of corn to be considered a bourbon, and, and that's that's the distinction there. So I'm going to start, though, with an Irish whiskey. I'm, I'm telling you, this is, you find it on the bottom shelf in most liquor stores, all right? Uh, for a long time, about 10 years ago, they stopped, you couldn't get it in the United States. I, I used to have to get it at a liquor store in Calgary and bring it across the border for friends. All right, but then they finally started distributing it again. It's called Patties, right? It, it runs about twenty nine bucks a bottle, right? It's I mean, and guys, I'm telling you, it's smooth. It, every single home bar should have this in it. And trust me, like put it right up, put it right next to Jameson's, right? It, it, it comes from it comes from the same area. Put it right next to Jameson's, right? And and taste the two. And I'm telling you, I I, I gave it out as some Christmas gifts this year, and more people have been turned on to Patties. Like, 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 I got a text from one person. I haven't had whiskey in, in five years, and I've just had your bottle each of the last three nights. So I'm telling you, as a fun one that's a little off the beaten path that you don't hear much about, you, and places also have a hard time keeping it in stock because when people see it, they grab it. It's called Patty's Irish Whiskey. Grab it and give it a shot, and then let us know what you think about it. That one's a good one. 
You two, you, have you two had it? I have not. I'm a Jameson man. Uh, see, I know. See, and 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 and, and I like I'm Jameson's and too. a Woodford I, Reserve man. See, if now the Woodford double oaked, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. that's the winner there. So my wife is not a was not a fan of drinking whiskeys or, or bourbons or scotches or any of that kind of stuff. But we put some Woodford double oaked in, into an old fashioned for her, and she her whole world has been turned around. It took that, not does, me. It does took she the become whiskey, loud, funny, or mean? Um, the, I neither. She just wants more. <laughs> <laughs> you, right, know what, you, you know what I? You know what I find to be most interesting about this topic is when a hockey season's starting. You're out there. You're picking up the hockey news yearbook or the McLean's yearbook or wherever the case in point might be. Same with football. Same with baseball. You know, you'll, we'll check the websites, various rankings of teams, players. What I have become absolutely fascinated by, in particular with the World Wide Web, are the number of sites that rank and grade various whiskeys. And some of these are absolutely phenomenal with the depth of their research. So professionally well written and done. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys are wasting your talents writing about whiskey. But I'm, I'm telling you what, right now, anything that you want to know about a whiskey, like Herb brought up, just Google it, and you'll be shocked how quickly you can familiarize yourself and make a decision whether you're going to get a bottle. Here's, here's the story. It's how incredible. I got, oh, yeah. Well, here's the story of how I got introduced to Patty's, okay? I, I asked a buddy of mine, Paul Rohde, what, what do you want in a flask for your on your wedding day? And he goes, I want some Patty's. I said, okay. So I go to about four or five liquor stores. None of them have it. And, and I remember that there's a big sign at the in the back bar at McGurk's that, that has – that has the Patty's logo on it, right? And and so I go to McGurk's, and they said, no, 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 you can't get it in the States. I go, what? So, all right, so I, I put another, I put Jameson's or something in there in, in there for his wedding day. So the next year, we're up in Calgary, and I'm sitting at, at a bar in Calgary, and I look up, and I see Patty's on the top shelf. I went, son of a gun, there's Patty's. So I said, well, I got to try it. So I said, I'll, you know, and you know, in Canada, they, they measure that hard alcohol literally to the drop, right? It's why I nor- you normally don't order hard alcohol in Canada. Drink the beer. So they measure it right to the drop. So I said, well, I'll take a double. So the guy comes, he pours. I'm like, dang, this is actually really good. So I said, so I said, go grab the manager. So I tell the manager the story about how Paul wanted this, couldn't buy. I said, you got to let me buy a bottle off you. He goes, yeah, no problem. So, but then he comes up and he goes, okay, so the problem is, is I can't sell you the bottle because when you ordered the double, we had to open our last bottle. I went, son of a, right? So I called around, and I found a liquor store in Calgary that was selling it. So they had three bottles, and a woman on the phone says, I said, can you pull them for me? I'll, I'll, I'll be right over. So on a game day, I jump in a cab the next day, and I, and I, I go over, and I, and I get the three bottles. Had an arrangement with her that when she got a shipment, and when the blues were coming in, she would pull three or four bottles aside for me. I'd go buy them from her at this liquor store. So finally, after doing this for a few years, and I'd bring them home for neighbors and, and, and my buddy and stuff, and then finally... I, I go to get it. She goes, I didn't get a shipment. They quit sending it to the States. I go, or to Canada. I go, what? So then I find out by doing research again, I'm wasting time on a game day that they're about to send it to Chicago. So I call up a Benny's liquor depot in Chicago, said, we're going to be in Chicago next week. Can you hold a few bottles of patties for me? He said, I can't. I said, why not? He goes, because it hasn't even hit the shelf yet. And all my bottles are accounted for and sold. I went, all right then. And finally that, that, 
that St. Patrick's Day, they started a smaller distribution to other cities in the States, and now it's more readily available. But that's how hard it was to get, but that's how good it was to enjoy. I lived in Kentucky for 11 years. I toured the Woodford Reserve Distillery and a couple of others. It's just, it's just a bait. This is an argument that we, we can fill up a whole podcast with this. But the bottom line, and I want you to remember this, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskeys are bourbon. That's exactly right. That's uh, that, that's what we said. It's it, it's because of corn. And then, by the way, and then, oh, then listen. So Jack Daniels being a sponsor of the St. Louis Blues, I uh, got to know one a couple of their people real well. So they turned me on to so some of the different uh, bottles of Jack Daniels and, and and the different vintages. And even that have I have grown a terrific. It it isn't just something anymore. You just mix in it with, with a with a can of Coke, right? Oh my gosh! I mean, so, some of their single barrels are just fantastic. So we'll we'll get into a lot more of that. That's why we've got bourbon as part of the title of the podcast: bourbon biscuits and barn burners. But the reason it's barn burners is barn burner has it now. It actually the the the, the name barn burner actually goes back to political activists. But it became a thing in sports to just be talking about a great game. And of course, you remember the great Gus Kyle and his call. We got a barn burner here tonight, Dan. Well, we put barn burners in here to talk, tell stories about some, some great games that we've witnessed or been a part of or when we have guests on, have them talk about it. The other aspect of it, though, is how did you get to where you got there? It's riding the bus. Tim spent 10 years in, doing minor league hockey. I, I spent six years in the minor leagues. Uh, John coming up to the ranks with the sporting news, right? So, Tim, kick off this week's edition of Riding the Bus. Well, I actually had a, another Riding the Bus story ready to go, but you want me to retell the one that, we uh, that we taped that we're not going to air because we had a, a fourth co-host that dropped out. So we kind of are retaping this. So I'll, I'll squeeze both of them in if, if you can bear with me. All right, go ahead. The the first one involved Sasha Lokovic. Sasha Lokovic, I don't know how many players have this on their resume, and sadly he passed away at age 45 five years ago. He had a, left behind a wife and several kids. But Sasha Lokovic is one of the few individuals in National Hockey League history that not only played in the National Hockey League, but he also played in the Roller Hockey International League. Remember when they tried to start a professional Roller Hockey League? Yeah. RHA. And, and, and a, lot of, a lot of guys in the coast uh, or, or in other leagues, you know, played. It was a summer hockey league, Roller Hockey International. Sasha Lockerbie played in the NHL with the Devils. He played in Roller Hockey International. He also played the star Russian center in the 1984 movie Miracle with Kurt Russell. Uh, or not 1984, the uh, the movie that depicted right, the, the U.S. Olympic winning team, uh, Miracle on Ice. You know, they called the movie Miracle. Sasha Lokovic played the centerman on the Russia team. But in real life, he was a goon at the minor league level. And and he, you talk, I talk about, you know, Brady Kachuk having a screw loose. Sasha Lokovic had about nine screws loose on a, on a 10-screw board, okay? He was just, he was out there and he would, he was, fighting teammates and stuff, you know, on buses. And, but one time when he was a member of the Columbus Chill, as I recall, they were traveling through the central United States, and in Tennessee, a blizzard hit the country, and the bus got stalled, and it was stuck on an ice-stormy covered highway for at least 12 hours. And, and the team only had so much food on the bus. And – it was like, you know, you can't call Domino's and have them deliver. I mean, all these cars are stuck in an ice storm. And we're talking about 20 hockey players on a bus. So he literally laced up his skates and skated down the highway and and found an open Domino's pizza, as I recall, 
and ordered 17 pizzas, which they put like four to a bag, you know, and the guy delivers them to you. He's got it in that, in that red covered thing. They, they, they stuck four, they, they stuck four to a bag and he had four of those plus an extra pizza on top. And he carried 17 pizzas, had to skate up in a declining off ramp with 17 pizzas on ice skates on a U.S. highway about a mile and a half down the highway to get back to the bus so that his teammates could eat and not starve. I can't make. I couldn't make that up if you if you paid me as a Hollywood scriptwriter to make that up. I couldn't make that up. Those stories. My second, my second ride in the bus story is Chris Berman of ESPN. You know, had his Bermanisms. You know, uh, uh, Scott Supercalifragilistic Expialidocious. You know, and Chuck New Kids on the Knoblock. You know, Albert Winnie the Pujols. You know, he always used to give these stupid names when he would when he would do highlights on ESPN. But he only gave them to baseball and football players. And to us guys in hockey, we, we got mad at that. It's like, you know, why doesn't, why doesn't anybody, why doesn't he ever, you know, give hockey any street cred? And he's a huge hockey fan, too, by the way. Well, yeah, and he was a big, you know. And, huge Whalers fan. But he never fan. really overdid the hockey highlights. Right. You know? so, so we started on a bus one day coming up with Bermanisms for hockey players. We kind of had a contest. We're six hours into a 15-hour bus ride, and we kind of had a contest. And I started writing these things down, and, and I'm going to give you my, my top five. And these aren't all mine, but I remember the ones that all got the best laugh. If Chris Berman would have done hockey names for a Bermanism, here is the top five. There was a guy that played – Chris Chris and I both called minor league hockey in Birmingham for the Bulls at the East Coast Hockey League. I was there in 92. I think Chris was there in 94 and 95, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. There was a player on the team when I was there whose name was Rob Kraus. And I came up with Rob as they're a doctor in the house, Krause, because he was a big fighter and a big, thick guy, and he used to pummel guys. But that, that doesn't quite make it to Bermanism status because, you know, it, it's not molded into the last name. And there's one Blues player that is on the roster right now, sort of, that would be uh, one of the funniest Bermanisms of all time. But my top five were Mario Pepe Lemieux, <laughs> Pierre Chocolate Mondu, Mike, my mother-in-law's a little bossy. Stefan, I stubbed my toe, who now has a son who plays for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Even though he spells his name different than his dad, Stefan, his name is Stefan. I don't get that. When George Foreman had six kids, he named them all George, and they all spelled their name the same way. But Stefan Mateau's son, Stefan Mateau, spells his name with an F, whereas his dad had a PH. Either way, Stefan, I stubbed my toe is a great one. And the best one right now in the NHL, and I'll go back to Leslie Nielsen in the movie Airplane, Vince, easy over. Over, done. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually pretty good there, John. Tim was on it. Yeah, I was enjoying it. Uh, Of course, I had a 17-course meal while he was telling the story, but I still enjoyed it. I'll shorten it up. I'm sorry. I I, I was should have been two separate ones, but I'm no, that's okay. I you was were all excited. excited about doing my uh, my hockey games one today. Chris asked me to retell one, so you had to sit there and eat 17 courses, John, instead of your normal 15 course meal. Yeah. Exactly. And don't worry, John. The Waffle House still has plenty left. Yes, they do, boys. They, they, they yes, still they have. Are. They still have plenty left. All right, boys, a great week. We'll do it again next week. Uh, Thanks for it all. Happy New Year to you. And uh, when we do our next episode, it'll be 2021, and we will be within about a week of dropping the puck on the National Hockey League season.